Well, if you haven't had an opportunity to meet me yet, my name is uh, Pastor Zach. About a year ago, my wife and I uh, headed on over to Crowley to start the uh, Crowley campus there, and it has been awesome. Um, since we've been there in a little over a year, we've been there a year and a month now, and we've actually seen um, over 120 people come to know Jesus in just a year. So we are super excited about that. Um, I just want to say this before we dive into the message or anything. Um, if you've been given to the REACH project, thank you so much. Um, I don't think you realize this. I know you guys look at all the buildings and the dirt and everything that's going on out there, but I can assure you of one thing, that this church is not only committed to just building more space, um, which you guys definitely need, but it's also committed to just building lives, and that's what you guys have done in Crowley. I know um, ultimately you gave to seats that you would never sit in, but I can genuinely say this, that people's lives have been transformed, people's lives have been changed, and uh, we would not be able to do what we've been able to do just in this past year in Crowley without you guys. So thank you so much um, for giving. Thank you so much for being faithful. Um, People's lives are truly changing and being transformed. And honestly, I believe um, people's lives have come to know Jesus. And if it wasn't because of you, I don't know where they would be at today. So let's pray. And uh, we're going to wrap up our In God We Trust series. Father God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that we have an opportunity not only just to um, come together as family this morning, but God, we have the opportunity to hear and talk about your word. God, I pray that it would not be my words that are spoken um, or my wisdom, but God, that you would speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I don't know if you've taken a look around lately, um, but the economy in Louisiana and Texas is not the best. Um, I looked up the statistic, actually 100,000 people since February of last year, 100,000 people just in Louisiana alone have lost their job or been laid off if they work in the oil field. And here's what I've learned after kind of talking with people, counseling with people over this past year that have walked through this kind of whole process. And I'm sure that there's many of you in here that are walking through it right now or you've walked through it before. Um, But one thing that I've noticed is the natural tendency of the human heart in difficult situations is just simply to doubt, right? It's simply to worry. It's simply to get anxious. I know that uh, I've I've met with many people that are saying, hey, Pastor Zach, if I lose my job, I don't know how I'm going to pay my mortgage, or I don't know how I'm going to provide for my family, or I don't know what's going to happen. And this kind of anxiety and anticipation of what is the future going to look like takes over, and you just start to stress out. You start to worry, and ultimately what ends up happening is you really start to doubt God, and you have a hard time trusting Him. But I am confident of this. How many of you guys remember the little book you read it maybe when you were younger, the little engine that could? And he, what, he, what was this phrase that he kept screaming over and over again? I think I can, I think I can. I just want to let you know this. In this mountain of worry and doubt and anxiety and stress that you have, God is not climbing up this thing going, I think I can. Okay, he, he is not stressing out. He is not worried. He actually looks at all of your, the situation that you're in right now. He looks at this economy and he goes, you know what? You can trust me with everything because I am a good father. And, and you can know that I'm going to take care of you. And so here's the thing. Really what I want to talk about this morning is what does it look like to trust God? Not with just some things, but with everything. Because here's the deal. I think a lot of us, it's easy to look at the span of our life and we can say, yeah, God, I trust you with this, 
um, I'll trust you with this, but this one particular issue, I'm not going to trust you with. Maybe you're, um, maybe, you're, maybe you're in the middle of the oil field collapse right now, and you're asking that question, like, what am I going to do? And you begin to doubt God, you begin to have anxiety, you begin to have anxiousness, and you begin to ask simple questions, God, what's going to happen? And by the way, just a little side note, it's not wrong to ask questions. There's nothing wrong with you going, God, what's going to happen? It's just not okay for you to continually stay there and freak out and get anxious and worry because nothing good comes out of that. We've got to learn to put our hope and our trust in Jesus. Let me share a little personal example. So my wife and I have been married um, eight years in February. And uh, about six years ago, um, I very heard, I very clearly heard from God on something that he was calling my wife and I to do. And uh, I really felt like he was calling us to adopt a child. And um, as I begin to let this sink in, um, I'm going, God, look, I know what you've called us to. I know all these things, but I'm just really having a hard time trusting you. Like my van doesn't have any seats left. <laughs> like there is seven uh, seats in my van and every single one of them is full. Like how can I add another child into this? And then you start asking the questions, okay, God, how am I going to provide? How am I going to take care of if I would add another child in my family? What does that even look like? And there's all these variables that would have to happen. I would probably have to get a larger house or need a new vehicle. I need all these things for this to even play out and for this to work out. And so my natural tendency in this, although I've heard clearly from God on what he's called me to do, is just to simply doubt. And so here's the thing. I don't think many of us in here, or maybe some of us, but a lot of times many of us don't have a problem hearing from God. We just have a problem trusting what God has actually told us to do. So God clearly speaks to you about something. You're like, yeah, but God, what if? Yeah, but God, I don't know. And you begin to ask all these questions. And um, I was flipping over a few weeks ago when, when Claire and I had really been praying, like, God, if this is something that you want us to do, then uh, we'll do it. But there's all this anxiety, there's all this fear. And then I flip over to Matthew, and maybe you've heard this verse before. You don't have to turn there. Chapter 6, um, verse 31 through 32, and it says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So here's the deal. God doesn't look at the span of your life or the scope of your life and go, I don't know how I'm going to take care of this for you. He just doesn't. He knows that he can. And I am absolutely confident in this. Until you learn to trust God with everything, there is just certain dreams and certain aspirations that you have in your life that will never happen until you take that step of faith in truly trusting God with absolutely everything. I had to look back on the scope of my life and Claire's life. Okay, God, this is what you've called us to do. And this adoption will never happen until we step out and trust you. Although there are certain in particular variables that don't make sense right now. That just, I don't know how this is going to happen, but we just have to trust you. So here's the deal. I think every person in here um, can trust God with some things, right? We just have a hard time actually trusting God with everything. So maybe you say, okay, God, I'll, I'll trust you with my house. I'll trust you with this relationship. I'll trust you with this. I'll trust you with that. I'm just, I'm having a hard time trusting you with my finances right now because on paper it just doesn't work. So many of us are comfortable trusting God with some things, just not everything. And this is what I want to call us to this morning is what would it look like 
whatever it is that we're going through, whatever it is that we're dealing with in our life, what would our lives look like and how different would they look if we could truly trust God with everything? Because here's the deal. It's one thing to actually say this and it's another thing to live it, right? Because we can all sit in here and say, yeah, oh yeah, I trust God with everything. But the reality is we don't. A lot of us have a hard time trusting God with particular things. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to uh, Proverbs chapter 3. And um, how many of you in here just grew up in uh, church? You went to Sunday school. You did the whole Royal Ranger thing. Like you were in church like all the time. Anybody in here, you, you, you were just in church. Your parents, like if you didn't want to be in church, they drug you to church. And uh, this is a Bible verse that is very familiar. And if you grew up in church or whatever, you know this verse. Um, if you just got saved a few weeks ago or last year, you have probably seen this verse in, on a coffee cup or something. It's a very popular verse. The problem is I don't really think that people understand the implications of this verse. And so what I want to do this morning is we're just going to read through pieces of it and we're going to talk about it. So Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Key word here, all. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I looked up the word um, all and uh, what it means in the Greek, and it actually means all. <laughs> there, there's no way around it. It doesn't mean like, okay, I think I can get around this or skate around this. The word all literally means all. So this is what this means. Jesus doesn't want something from you. He wants everything from you. He doesn't want just some things. He doesn't want fractions of your life. He doesn't want pieces of your life. Anybody ever tried to put together a puzzle piece and you miss that one piece and you can't find it? And it's like, oh my God, I just spent all this time building this, this huge masterpiece and there's this one little piece in the middle that is missing and it's so frustrating. Listen, Jesus doesn't want just little broken pieces of you. He wants absolutely everything. But the truth is, it's hard to trust God with everything, isn't it? If we're brutally honest. Man, it's hard to trust God when you get somebody that comes to you or a doctor looks at you and says, yeah, this is what you have, it's cancer. It's hard when you look at the family history and you go, well, this is how my mom and dad have been. It's hard to trust God with a jacked up past, right? It's hard to look at the scope of your life and say, God, I want to trust you with everything, but everything that has happened to me, it's really hard to trust you with absolutely everything. It's hard to trust God in an economy that is not stable. It seems like you get a job, you lose a job. You get a job, you lose a job. You get shifted around all over the place. It's hard to trust God in times like this. But let's continue reading the verse. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. And here's the second part of verse 5. And do not depend on your own understanding. This is so key. Do not depend on your own understanding. This simply means trust God, listen to this, more than you trust yourself. Trust God more than you trust yourself. I think the problem is many of us trust ourselves more than we trust God. We get frustrated with certain things in our lives, so we say, God, I don't see the results that I want in this particular area of my life, so you know what? God, scoot over, I'm going to drive the car for a little bit. God, scoot over, I got this, because I'm not seeing the direct results that I want, and God, you're taking too long. And so we grab things in our own hands because we don't trust God, because we do lean on our own understanding. We trust our emotions. We look at this decision and it makes sense emotionally right there in the moment. And I said this in the first service. The problem is your emotions are not real. 
They may be real in the moment with how you feel, but you cannot anchor any solidity into those emotions. Let me tell you why. When I was in middle school, um, I thought to solidify my coolness, I had to have a butt cut. Anybody remember that? Like hair parted like right down the middle. And I remember going to my dad, and my, my dad had long hair at the time. And I'm like, Dad, I'm telling you, I need a butt cut. He's like, son, I'm telling you, that looks so stupid. I'm like, Dad, I'm telling you, I'm, just do it. And to make it even worse, I had him shave the side of my head. So it's like bald skin underneath with just long hair pouring down on the sides. And anybody remember L.A. gel? Like you slicked it back with like L.A. gel. And I was wearing like some Jinko jeans going to middle school thinking I was like the coolest kid on the face of the earth. And then five years later, I'm looking at pictures going, Oh my God, dad, if you show that to my future wife, I'll kill you. Like, oh my God, what was I thinking? Because in that moment, it seemed right, right? You ever do something like you're in an argument with your husband or your wife and you say something and words come out of your mouth. You're like, oh my God, I can't believe I just said that. Or maybe you get into a particular situation and all of a sudden these thoughts come flooding in your head and you're like, what is going on? Because in that moment, you feel like, hey, I need to make this impulse, emotional decision because it just doesn't feel right. I need to get out of it. And we end up making decisions based on leaning on our own understanding rather than what God is actually telling us to do. I'm convinced of this. We live in a society now, as my dad stood up here earlier and he held the Bible up. I'm I'm convinced that we live in a society where we do not have to go to Jesus. We go to Google, we go to Facebook. If you want to answer, you just, I mean, Siri, (laughs) hello. Uh, One of the most tragic things that I see now today is people take major life decisions, they post them on Facebook, and based on how many comments of what this person says that they should do, they tally up all the results. Well, the majority says, I should leave him. So guess what? Facebook told me I need to leave him. So you go to your boyfriend and say, Facebook told me I need to leave you. You're done. (laughs) Rather than going to God, struggling with the hard stuff, fighting to know Jesus and saying, God, I don't know what to do in this situation. What do you want me to do? I'm convinced that a lot of times in between there is this gap before you get an answer from God sometimes. And the gap usually is before God answers you is you getting down on your knees, diving into the word of God, crying out to Jesus. And you may not hear anything for a few days, but guess what's happening? You're getting closer and closer to Jesus and you don't even realize it. And then maybe a week or two down the road, you start very clearly hearing from Jesus. Why? Because you've spent time with him. And now you get the answers rather than just quickly going to Google. And here's the thing. We can trust God with everything because he is a good father that has our good in mind. And even when it doesn't seem like the things that he is doing is good, I promise you he always has your good in mind. I've been reading this book lately. It's by a guy named uh, Brother Lawrence. And um, he has a quote in here and it says this. It says, if we knew how much Jesus loves us, We would always be ready to face life and get this, both its pleasures and its trials. Its pleasures and its trials. The the number one, the fundamental problem that people have with trusting Jesus, the reason they cannot trust him is because they don't know him. They don't know him. 
They don't know what his voice sounds like. So they, they go in there. They're trying to make decisions based on, I want to make the right decision. I want to make a God decision. But the reason we can't make God decisions is because of the fact that we just simply don't know him. We don't spend time with him. So I've kind of lived by this phrase for a few years now. It's simply fight to know. And it simply means this. To, if I've got to know Jesus, that there has got to be this daily battle every single day of putting aside my flesh, my emotions of what I want in that moment. Because there's days when I get out of bed and I'm like, the Bible is the last thing I want to do. Spending time with Jesus is the last thing I want to do. And every single time, it's got to be this fight. It's this declaration of all-out war. If I don't spend time with Jesus, then guess what? I will spend time with the enemy. It's just a result. Man, you find yourself drifting off and, and fading away from Jesus. It's just because we're not spending time with him. Man, if you get in the presence of God every single day, I promise you, you'll make the right decisions. I promise you. But we have to know someone before we can truly trust them. Right? I mean, isn't that what the whole dating process is about? It's getting to know that person. Can I trust this person? Can I spend the rest of my life with this person? I mean, you don't walk out of here and just be like, oh, she's hot. I'll marry her. <laughs> like, you don't do that. You just don't do that. There's this process of getting to know them. Why? You're establishing trust. And so, number one, before we can ever trust God with everything, we've got to know who He is. Let's read the rest of the verse. Proverbs 3, 6. So the beginning of it was, Trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. And this is the best part of it. Seek His will in all you do. And watch this. And He will show you which path to take. He'll show you which path to take. So if you trust in Him, you don't lean on your own understanding, then guess what? He gives us the answers. And sometimes they may not be quick. Sometimes He may not make the path um, readily available for us right away. And He may not give us the answers right away, but I promise you He will, and they will be the right answers. Ultimately, this is a promise that he's going to make it right if we continue to trust in him and we lean on him. So there's a phrase, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. We're going to build the rest of the sermon around this. If I do not trust him with all, eventually I will not trust him at all. If I do not trust Jesus with everything, eventually I will come to a place in my life where I do not trust him with anything. With anything. So here's what I want you to do real quick. I want you to ask yourself this question. What is the one thing in my life right now, like right now, that I have a hard time trusting Jesus with? Like we may say it, it may be this cliche Christian thing that we do, like, yeah, I trust Jesus. But what is the one thing in your life right now that you have a hard time trusting Jesus with? I can't cover them all, but what we're going to do is I'm going to cover three of them. And I think they're the main ones that most of us wrestle with. That we have a hard time trusting Jesus with. Number one, I think we have a hard time trusting Jesus financially with our money. With our money. And, and especially in this economy, right? Especially with how the way jobs are going. It's hard to get a job. It's hard to keep a job. Some of you guys are working 21 days straight because you're scared to actually lose your job. It's hard to trust God with that, right? How many of you guys, show of hands, have ever made a dumb financial decision? Anybody? 
just stu- how many of you drove that dumb financial decision to church this morning? <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> We've all made stupid financial decisions, right? I can look back on my history of dealing with finances and every stupid financial decision that I have ever made is a result of not trusting Jesus. It's a result of, God, I don't know if you're going to provide for me. When my wife and I got married, I mean, our grocery budget was like $35 a week. And my wife is like, she will squeeze a penny out of a, anything. Like, she is so frugal. And I, I'm the spender. I'm like, yeah, money, let's go. <laughs> and, um, but in the very beginning, there was this season where it's kind of like, man, we were paying our bills, but then there's not much left over. And there is this kind of tension going on in my soul of like, man, I feel like we need more. I feel like, God, you're not providing for us. You're not doing all this. I have a bright idea. Let me go get a credit card. Anybody ever been there? People are in, sitting in the audience going, oh, he's terrible. I can't believe he's doing that. You did the same thing. And so, so what do we do? We go, okay, God, I don't need you right now. I'm going to trust in this credit card. However much credit they will give me in this time is how much extra money I have. Every dumb financial decision that we have made is just a simple result of us not trusting God with our money. And the truth is we make stupid financial decisions and we get ourselves in debt and we get ourselves in a position where, oh my gosh, how did I get here and how am I going to get out of this? Is because we trust God with some things, just not our money. Just not with everything. If you have your finger on um, Proverbs chapter 3, skip down to verse 9 real quick. We're going to read this kind of passage. We're going to read uh, verse 9 through 10, and then we're going to kind of break it down just a little bit. And it says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. So let's pause. Let's look at the first kind of line in this text. And it says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth. And I know what some of you are thinking instantaneously. You're going, I'm out. I am not wealthy. That excludes me. But what if we were to look at it this way? What if wealth is not what we wish we had? Wealth is what God has put in your hands. It's not like, I want to be rich, and that's wealth. That's not what the text is talking about here. It's saying, whatever God has put in your hands, can you honor the Lord with that? Listen, I... I've had a few conversations with different people. I did some marriage counseling a few weeks ago. And one of the things that we do through the marriage counseling is actually we, we ask financial questions. And I'm sitting here with this couple who is making six figures and can barely pay their house note. Okay? And I'm going, you... <laughs> six figures, why? Like, why is this the problem? I've told this, I've told this to people for years. Man, you can make... Thirty, forty thousand dollars the rest of your life, and if you spend it wisely, you can have more cash than somebody making six figures. Because most of the times, the people that they make more, what do they do? Instead of honoring God with it, they just increase their lifestyle. Oh, I need, I need these new tires. I need this new truck. I need this new house. It's like we got to keep up with the Joneses kind of mentality. I'm making more, so therefore I need more. Honor the Lord with your wealth. How many of you guys have ever spent uh, about two bucks on a coffee? 
Anybody? Like you paid $2 on a coffee. I, I love coffee. Um, one of, for pastor's appreciation, the people in Crowley like literally went to this coffee shop in Lafayette that I love, I study at, and uh, they literally went and bought like half of the coffee shop for me. So apparently, I talk about coffee a lot. They they realize like what I love, and uh, I love coffee. The truth is, if you've spent about two dollars on a cup of coffee, you're wealthier than sixty percent of the world. And I'm not saying that to make you feel guilty or anything. I just want you to understand. of the world lives on $2 a day. $2 a day. Like, that's a cheeseburger and a small Coke. (laughs) That's it. Like, how many of you guys ever went to a restaurant, and you get some food on your plate, and you eat it all, and you're full, and you leave food on the plate, and they throw it away? Like, poor people just don't do that. I mean, if it's all they got, I mean, they're going to savor every last piece, or they're going to take it home. And here's the truth. I think for a lot of us, we're a whole lot wealthier than we actually think we are. What God has given us, can we just honor Him with the little bit that we have? Let's continue the verse. And then it says this. So honor the Lord with your wealth. And then the second part, it says, with the first fruits of all your crops. So this simply means to give the first of your earning to the house of God. So this means every time you get a paycheck, you're saying, God, the first part of this is yours. The first part of this is yours. Now, I've had this argument for many years saying, you know what, Pastor Zach, tithing is an Old Testament principle. It's Old Testament law. So why should we have to do it today? There's a few things that's wrong with that. If we throw that out there because it's an Old Testament law, there's a few things that you've got to realize. Um, do not commit murder and do not commit adultery. We're also in the Old Testament law. You want to throw that out too? I think we want to keep those ones, right? And then also, something interesting to note is that um, tithing was never uh, even written in Old Testament law. It was actually established 2,500 years before the law was ever even written in Genesis 14 between Abraham and Melchizedek. So it's not even Old Testament law. Tithing is just simply a biblical principle. And it even goes further than this. When we look at the New Testament, according to the New Testament, um, Jesus actually calls us to give everything that we have. Like everything, like our time, our, not just our money, our time, our talent, and our treasure. Everything. Everything. And so as my dad stood up here earlier, this is why it's so important to actually read the Bible because I'm absolutely convinced that Christians today do things and they don't even know why they do it. Or they have an opinion about something and they don't even know why they have an opinion about it. So I had a guy come up to me in Crowley. He's like, you know, that's uh, this is uh, Old Testament. I was like, well, where does it say that? I, I don't I, Exactly. And I'm not trying to make him look like a fool or anything, but the truth is he doesn't know why. And so I would challenge you this morning that maybe for some of us that we would go home and maybe you have some opinions about certain things to actually go read it for yourself and say, God, what are you actually speaking on this particular issue? And here's the thing. I'm absolutely convinced if we cannot honor God with our money and with the wealth that he has given us, that spiritually we're going to be stuck. We're just going to be stuck. And I'm convinced of it because we're not honoring God with everything. We're not honoring Him with everything that He's given us. And I know, listen, I know a lot of times you have a pastor that stands up here and they talk about money and you got people that sit in the crowd and it's like, oh, here's another guy, another pastor on stage talking about money. 
You guys feel the tension right now? Feel it? He'll cut it with a knife right now. And the truth is, a lot of times it's like oil and water. Sometimes it doesn't mix. But the truth is, it's not a particular person that's after your money. At the end of the day, God's after your heart. He's after your heart. And so if this kind of pricks you a little bit and you go, Ooh, I don't really like this. I don't like when you talk about this. I don't like when you guys mention this kind of stuff. It's only because God is after the deeper parts of your heart and He wants you to encounter a deeper relationship with Him and He wants to know you on deeper levels and He doesn't want just something from you. He wants everything. He wants absolutely everything from you. Here's the truth. We've said this for years at this church. He's either Lord of of all or He's not Lord at all. He's Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Let's continue the verse. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled with overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. What does it mean when he's saying that your barns will be filled? This is a promise that ultimately, if you give and steward what God has given you, and you take care of it, it's a promise that God will take care of you. It's a promise that he will take care of care of you. Listen, I just want to say this real quick. Um, and I've said this in Crowley a few times. And if you're called to this particular church, you say, this is my home. This is the place that I want to be. This is the place that I want to raise my kids. This is the place that I want to raise my family. This is my spiritual family. That at the end of the day that you were called to build this house and that you're called to give here. I use this example in the uh, in the first service, and I said this, how many of you guys have ever gone to McDonald's, you pick up your food, and then you go pay at Burger King? <laughs> like, nobody does that, right? You, you pick up your food at McDonald's, and then you pay at Burger King. And listen, if you're coming here and you're saying, God, this is where I want to be, this is where I want to plant myself, this is where I want to be at, then ultimately we're called to give and we're called to build this house. So moving on. The first thing that we uh, have a hard time and we struggle with trusting God in is financially. Number two, the second thing that we have a hard time trusting God in is relationally. We have a hard time trusting God with our relationships. And the truth is we've got people in here that are married that wish they were single. <laughs> we've got people in here that are single that want to be married and they really have no idea what marriage is all about. Claire and I... Um, Actually, about probably nine months ago, we got in this really big argument. And uh, we were actually selling our house in Jennings. We put it up for sale. And uh, we were trying to move to Crowley. And uh, so I found this particular house in Jennings. And Claire and I, I took all the kids over. We went and looked at it. And we felt really good about it. It was a nice house um, in a nice area of town. I mean, it was perfect for our family. And so I came home. It was just like one of those spur of the moment. I called my realtor up and I said, put an offer on it. Like, let's do a contingency deal. My house hasn't sold in Jennings yet, but 90-day contingency deal. If my house sells, like, we're buying this house. And so, um, so he puts all that together. We put the deal on it. And all of a sudden, my wife and I come back home. We start looking at numbers and we start realizing this is not going to work. And so it was kind of one of those things where there's about seven days in the week, and if we bought this house, I'd have to look at my kids and say, there's seven days in the week, and uh, you're only going to eat five. Okay, that's just pretty much how it is. Like financially, it was not possible for us to get this house. The problem was, um, I was pretty dead set on getting this house. 
Like I was really so, I was so consumed with, I want this house. And so my wife came to me a few times like, babe, I don't think that we can get this house. or This is impractical. We're not going to be able to afford it. And I'm like, get behind me, Satan. We are getting this house. Like we got to get this house. And, uh, and she always did it in such a, like my wife, she does it in such a graceful, like, baby, I don't think we can afford this. Like, I know you have the right intentions. And like, you ever like, you just been killed with kindness before you're like, Oh my God, she's so nice. And I just want to like, ah, (laughs) and I was so focused on, we need this house that wasn't really getting to a place where I could trust God with my relationships. I wasn't trusting that God could speak to Claire. And so um, we get to this place where we're kind of at this. You ever been at this in marriage where you're at this like standstill? Like she's not budging and I'm not budging. She's like, we cannot get this house. We will not make it. And I'm like, we will figure it out. We will get this house. And so I sit down after counseling with my parents. I'm like, what do we do? My dad's like, do not get this house. I'm like, father, forgive him for he does not know what he says. (laughs) And so I'm still struggling with like this whole decision of getting this house. And everyone around me is saying, Zach, don't get this house. Financially, this is not smart. And so no joke, I'm praying, I'm seeking God one morning and I wake up and I turn and I kind of open my Bible and I almost feel like um, God's speaking to me. He's like, this morning, I'm going to teach you how to fix your wife. I'm like, Thank you, God. Like, she needs fixing in this situation. And so I turn over to this passage. And remember, I'm in my own selfish desires. I want this house. This is what I want. That it's causing me to block out and trust God with the the relationships that he's put in my life. I don't want to hear any of the wisdom because I'm being selfish at this moment. And I flip over to Philippians 2, and it says this, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So here's the truth. It's hard to trust Jesus and love others when we are solely concerned about our own interests. So when it's all about us and what we want, we don't trust God in our relationships. Man, like, for for many of us, God has put anchors in your life. Maybe a father that has wisdom, or maybe you have people here at this church that you have anchored yourself around, and maybe when you make decisions, you kind of go to them for counsel or whatever. I mean, Proverbs says there's an abundance in the wisdom of counselors. Like, it's something that we should seek. But when, when we're so dead set on our own selfishness and our own interests, we don't trust the relationships that God's put in our life. And here's the truth. What I learned that day is if I really want to fix my spouse, then I've got to allow God to fix me first. You ever pray that? Like, God, like fix my wife, fix my husband. And that's your continual prayer. Like, God, just speak to them without And you end up ignoring the own issues. You don't ask God, like, God, what should I be changing? What are the things in my marriage, in my life that I don't do right? What are the gaps in my own soul? We don't, we don't ask that when we're selfish. So let me, real quick, let me address single ladies in here. And the reason that I want to do this is because in, in our Crowley campus, there's so many young ladies. And um, 
there's a few that honestly, man, my heart just breaks for them. Because there's a particular couple, I mean, a girl, the, um, her reason for moving in with this guy is solely financially. It just makes sense financially for me. I don't want to marry this guy, but i got to move in with him. And maybe we'll get married, but financially I don't know how to support myself. All this stuff. So they move in. Here's the thing. There is a difference between desire and love. Like if a man desires you, he's going to be willing to manipulate you to get what he wants. And I think you know where this is going. If he loves you, what is he's going to put a ring on it and he's going to commit to you. If he desires you, yeah, move in with me and take your clothes off as soon as possible. That's just the truth. And here's the deal. You do not need a man that is full of desire. You need a man that loves Jesus, is going to love you like Jesus loved the church. I said it this way in our first service, but um, we have five kids, four boys, one girl, and Amelia is stuck right in the middle. And uh, I've been there for, for all the births. And, uh, there, man, there was just something special about Amelia. When I held her for the first time, I kind of look at her, and it, there's all these things that just this father has for a daughter. Like, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to protect you. And I had this thought in my mind, of like, oh, my God. I never thought I could kill a person. <laughs> and I look at her, and I'm like, I will kill someone. <laughs> I will kill someone if they ever try to hurt this little girl. And there is almost like this vicious protection that takes over this father for his daughter, right? Like, I will do anything possible. I heard a story one time, and I, I probably will use it one day, um, of a guy who, who this, this, they're going out on a dance, and this boy comes over, knocks on the door, and he says, hey, I'm here to uh, get your daughter. And uh, he's like, okay, son, you better, you better take care of her. And... Um, so they walk out, and they're getting in the car, and he says, hey. And he throws this bullet at him. And the guy catches it, and he goes, hey, if you touch her, the next one's coming a whole lot faster. And he's like, <laughs> he gets in the car, <laughs> and he gets out of there. But here's this thing. As a father, if you're a father in here and you have a daughter, you understand this ferocious love for your daughter. Like, I will do anything to protect her. And, and here's the thing. This is exactly how Jesus operates. Sometimes there's things in your life that don't make sense and you're asking, God, why am I going through this? Man, this doesn't seem like you have my good in mind. This doesn't seem like you have my interests in mind. Sometimes he is willing to put you through the ringer because he loves you so much. He wants to bring you to the bottom of yourself so you can realize that you are absolutely hopeless without Jesus. So ladies... Don't settle for a man that's full of desire. Look for men who love Jesus. You don't pick a man based off of how he looks, based off of what he's good at or what he's not. Does he love Jesus? Does he love Jesus? Number three. So the first two things that we talk about, the first two things that people have a hard time trusting Jesus in. Number one, finances. Number two, relationships. And number three, Spiritually. Spiritually. Some of us honestly have a hard time believing the commitment that Jesus made to us when we received salvation. I say this all the time. The hardest part about the gospel is simply this. Just believing it. It's the hardest part. Like, could God actually take such a filthy, rotten sinner such as myself and give me a do-over? 
many of us have a hard time just trusting that. So, so what do we do? We go into this, we get saved, we have this amazing encounter with Jesus, and instead of continuing in this pursuit, in this relationship, we feel like, I don't want to screw this up, so what do we do? We just get caught in following the rules. So let me do this real quick. How many of you guys have this tendency in you just to break the rules? Like you are prone to just break the rules. How many of you have ever drove over the speed limit? You just like, you have a tendency, it says 70, but you're like, it's oh, 78 is okay. It's okay. I mean, it's not a big deal, right? How many of you guys have ever cheated on a test? Anybody ever cheat? Look, cheaters. How many cheaters we have in here? How many, how many of you passed school because you cheated? <laughs> oh, man. I took a geometry class with my wife in high school. That was the only way I made it through math. I'm just going to say that. That is God's honest truth. <laughs> um, naturally, we're all rule breakers, right? At some, at some point in your life, you've broken the rules. And I know there's probably this one person in here that's like, I never break the rules. I just, I don't do it. I just, I follow all the rules. You know what? You're prideful. <laughs> you were prideful. The speed limit says 70. I always go 69 just to make sure if there's a cop right there, I'm at 69. <laughs> Let's read Ephesians 2, verse 8 through 9. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And watch this. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God, and salvation is not a reward for doing the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. God didn't save you because you were doing such a good job. He saved you because you needed saving. (laughs) He saved you because if He didn't, you were doomed. He saved you not because you kept all the rules and made all the right choices and made all the right decisions. He saved you because he is good. At the end of the day, he's a good father and he wants you and he wants to bring you in. He says, hey, you know what? That guilt, that shame, that struggle that you deal with, give it to me. And here's the question that I ask all the time. Could it be that we actually serve a God that is so scandalous and so gracious that he says, give me your sin? Give me your shame. Give me your guilt. Give me your fears. Give me your anxieties. Place them on me. But here's the problem. It's hard to do that when we only trust God with some things and not everything. Like, God, I'll trust you with this, but not this. See, I don't know if you've ever felt this, but sometimes the tendency in my life is to go, God, I know you're driving the car right now, but can you just scoot over and let me take the wheel for a moment? Because I'm not seeing the results that I want. So I'm going to just, I'm going to muster up enough courage and all this stuff. And I'm going to take the reins. I'm going to take the seat. I'm going to drive. Because I've got a better plan than you do. (laughs) Man, every single time I've been at that place, I've fallen flat on my butt. Flat on my butt. Listen, we got to stop trying to take the reins because at the end of the day, God is a whole lot better driver than we are. He drives a lot like my wife. (laughs) My wife hates my driving. Steady, he's consistent. Honestly, I'll tell you this. 
I'm not a Christian because I grew up in a Christian home. I had great parents. I grew up in a great home. No complaints. I don't follow Jesus because I grew up in a great church. That's not why. I followed Jesus because many years ago, I was so disgusted with myself. And I started reading the Bible for the first time and I started realizing that, oh my God, like I can really trust God with everything. And there's not partial forgiveness. There's actually total forgiveness for everything that I've done, every shameful act I've committed, everything that I have done. That God reached down and decided to say, Zach, today you're going to serve me. That's why I follow Jesus. See, if we don't trust him with all, eventually we're not going to trust him at all. If we don't trust him with everything, there will eventually come a place in our life where we don't trust him with anything. So what is it? Again, I ask that question. What is the one thing in your heart that you go, God, I just don't trust you with this? Is it relationships? Is it a marriage? Is it finances? Is it spiritually? Is it a past? What is it? What is that one thing? And honestly, whatever it is, let's make a decision right now to not walk out of these doors without going, God, okay, today is the day that I just I put all my cards and I push all my chips in. All of them. It's kind of like that poker game. You're always taking that risk. Uh, I'm all in. I'm all in. <laughs> and there's that nervousness on the other side of like, oh my gosh, what if I don't win this? I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to lose everything. Listen, we cannot be at a place where we can afford not to trust God with everything. Because I promise you, His plans, His ways, His desires, His purposes, and His dreams for your life are a whole lot better than you could ever think of for your own. A whole lot better. So I want to do this real quick. As we bring this to a close, I want to give you just an opportunity. Maybe for some of you in here, you're saying, you know what, I just simply need to trust God with my life this morning. Like, I don't know Jesus. I don't know him. I've been at a place where I've been searching for years. Listen, maybe you're in here this morning and a mom or a dad or a friend or a family member like dragged you in here. And maybe in the back of your mind, you're going, this is just a last ditch effort. God, if you're real, speak to me. If I don't hear anything today, then I'm out. This is, I'm done with this church thing. I'm done with this Jesus thing. Listen, I'm here to tell you this morning that right now God wants to know you. Right now, God desires to pursue you. God desires to love you. He looks down into all the things that you've done. And he says, you know what? If you trust me with everything, I will love you and forgive you completely. And there's some of you in here that are saying, you know what? I have a relationship with Jesus. But there's particular things in my life that I honestly I just don't trust God with. And maybe, maybe there's some legitimate excuses. Maybe, man, you've been hurt in the past. Maybe you had a father that was, he was malicious, he was evil, he wasn't a good father to you. Can I just say this? The Heavenly Father is nothing like your earthly father. Even if you had a bad dad or a good dad. He's nothing like him. 
And uh, too many of us equate that, that our earthly father's love of how our heavenly father treats us. Man, our earthly father, the Bible says he's steadfast, he's patient, he's long-suffering, he's all those things. So if you're in here this morning and you say, there's just particular things that I'm not trusting God in, and I need some help with that. Just every head bowed, every eye closed in this room. If you're in here this morning and you say, honestly, this morning, God, Pastor Zach, I don't know Jesus. I need to trust him with my life this morning. I want to know him. I want to know this God that you're talking about. If that's you here in this morning, would you just simply just raise your hand? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you're in here this morning and you say, you know what, I know Jesus, I have a relationship with Jesus, there's just a particular issue in my life that I'm having a hard time trusting him with. If that's you here this morning, would you just simply raise your hand? Okay, many of you. Father, you know every need and you know the state of every person's heart in this room. God, whether they're far from you, whether they don't know you this morning and they want to make a decision right now to put their hope and their trust in you. God, I pray that you would overwhelm them, God, with just a grace that they have never experienced or encountered before. God, I pray that as they make a decision to put their hope and their trust in you, God, that you would meet them exactly where they're at. God, I pray for the ones that are in here, God, that they know you, but they're just having a hard time trusting you with a particular area of their life. God, I pray that you would help them not to lean on their own understanding, but God, that they would lean on you, and God, that you would show them what path to take. God, you would show them the way. God, there may be anxieties, there may be fears, there may be all these things that they're facing right now. God, we don't know, but you do. God, I pray that you would have your way. In Jesus' name.